No Bull. Powered by Earnhardt Auto Centers. For a premier destination near you, head to nobull.com. Here's Chris, Crespin, and Simone. And welcome in to the Friday edition of Noble with Chris, Crespin, and Simone. Minus the Simone on assignment. So just Sean Crespin and myself, Chris Schubert, here with you on a Friday. Sean, how you feeling on a Friday, my friend? Feeling pretty good, man. We got some football to talk yeah. about after last night's game. Going into a big football weekend. My Raiders are on Sunday night football. Yeah, Half the defense is on the COVID-19 list, but hopefully coming off. So feeling good, man. Going into a football Friday, nothing to complain about. How about you? Yeah. I think at some point you might be listed on the depth chart for the uh, Oakland, uh, excuse me, Las Vegas Raiders uh, defense this week because everybody on the defense is uh, in contact tracing and on yeah, the list. But that's the thing; it's just contact tracing, so they're all available to come back five days later, which would be for some on Saturday and others on Sunday. So hopefully yeah, the whole team is there. Everything looks good. Yeah, every, everything and, looks like it's there's been no more be positives. Okay, but... Yeah, so we should be all right and ready to play on Sunday night. But let's. Forget about that. That's days away. We had a football game yes. last night, Schubert. Last we night. did, and that is going to be the top story of what is in the lead on the program today. This is the one they're talking about. It was the launch of the week for the National Football League, and the Arizona Cardinals were in action last night, and we have so much to break down from this football game, so we'll just do a little bit of a quick overview here. The Cardinals fall to the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks move to 7-3. The Cardinals fall to 6-4. and four. It was a game of miscues and mistakes uh, for the road team in the Arizona Cardinals. Had a chance uh, for some more heroics on the final drive of the game. Weren't able to get it done. The Seahawks move to 7-3. and three. They now uh, hold serve in the NFC West. In this division, Sean, I think we're just getting started from what we're going to see between these three teams the rest of the way. No, we really are. And, you know, the Rams got a big game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming up on Monday night this week as well. So keep your eye on that one. Right now, they might be playing the best football in the division. But, you know, last night, and we're going to get into this in depth coming up in 10 minutes, but you're right. What you said to start this segment, Schubert, or this portion of it, um, missed opportunities. You had a shot at the end, but missed opportunities. You can't keep relying on fourth quarter heroics in a final drive. And it feels like the Arizona Cardinals have been that way for really the last month of the season outside of the Dallas game, right? Like after the Dallas game, everything has been shooting yourself in the foot and trying to make up for it later. And we're going to get into those mistakes coming up again in 10 minutes. But that's really what last night's game boiled down to, in my in my opinion. And now you're looking up in the division. Seattle has a very favorable schedule. So do you if you're the Cardinals for the most part. But Seattle's got a little bit more of the NFC East on their schedule. So you kind of like that, right? But uh, yeah, we'll get into this, uh, this game in depth last night for the Arizona Cardinals, though it really does feel like missed opportunities. And this next story, Sean, I'm a little worried about it, and maybe you can talk me off the ledge of being a little bit too overreactionary to it, but the headline that I see here about the Warriors potentially, and I don't know if the deal is official official yet, but it looks like they're going to acquire Kelly Oubre Jr. from the Oklahoma City Thunder. When the Warriors acquire a player, you know what it reminds me of, Sean? It's like What's when that? the Astros or the, or, or the Astros or the Rays want to acquire a player from you in a trade. It makes you kind of go, hmm. Uh, are we missing something yeah, on what this you, player? Since, what do you know? What, what do they know that we don't huh. know? Yeah. And the Warriors so eager to bring Kelly Oubre Jr. into the fold. And with the Suns' notoriously bad stretch of luck over the last 10 or 15 years, Sean, i got to be honest with you, I was a little concerned when I read this headline. Um, listen, if he goes to the Warriors, this does actually become official. And he goes to the Warriors and has you know tremendous offensive success. That's not going to be surprising. But it also doesn't mean that 
it would have happened here. It's apples and oranges. No. So I know fans like yeah. to do that. Like, oh, my God, as soon as he left our team, he's lighting it up. Everything's different. Okay, so the whole what do they know that I don't know? Well, you know, we, we do know that he brings a lot of energy to the floor. He can score in bunches when he's hot, right? And what does that sound like? That sounds like a Golden State Warrior player to me. So if they're able to, to bring him in, especially after the news, and we didn't get a chance to talk about this yet because our last show was on Wednesday, but the clay the, the clay news with the, the Achilles now, yeah. dude, like, come on. Yeah, after the – that's awful. After the ACL and everything, it's just, just awful news. So they're looking for some more offensive firepower there in Golden State. They were hoping to bounce back this year. This makes sense to me. Yeah, they, they, they need the help uh, with the clay injury. Again, they, uh, the right Achilles, he tore the left ACL. So now he's had major injuries Brutal, to man. both legs. Don't know if he, uh, we just don't know if he's ever going to be the same basketball player again. I mean, it's going to be over two years before he plays well, a second of, of those, like organized official basketball. Yeah, not only just the time off, but those two type of injuries, right? Like the yeah, Achilles an ACL and an ACL tear and an in, Achilles. Yeah. in the NBA. I mean, just yeah. short of microfracture, those those are right up there in terms of the things you don't want to experience. And, and you know, and I know medicines come a long way, but man, you got a right Achilles, you got a left ACL, like that's that's rough. So you're not wrong. Who knows if he'll ever look the same again? And so that's why they bring Kelly O'Brien Jr. Makes to sense. pair with, yeah. with Steph, with Draymond, and the guy that they picked in the first round, James Wiseman, uh, to join them there in Golden State. Uh, a little college basketball note, Sean. I believe we're five days away. You can correct me. You're the all-knowing uh, truth-teller of anything Sun Devil <laughs> Athletic. Is it Wednesday. five days away? Wednesday I, I is don't, the first I, game for five? ASU. Am I right? The, well, what is today? Today's, today's, today's Friday. Friday. So Saturday, Saturday Sunday, Sunday, Monday. Sunday, five. Monday, yeah. Five. I was it's, it's quality okay. math right there, Schubert. Yeah, it's very good on the fly mm-hmm. there. Uh, and the Sun Devils kick off their season next Wednesday. And uh, the Naismith, Naismith Trophy watch list, 50 players on the list, Sean. Remy Martin of the Arizona State Sun Devils finds himself on this list. High expectations for this Sun Devil team, but for specifically for Remy Martin as the leader of this team. Yeah, and rightfully so, man. I mean, the fact that you're getting him back is so huge for this Arizona State basketball team. I mean, Remy Martin's one of those guys that could lead the Pac-12 in scoring or lead the Pac-12 in assists and be a facilitator. And I think with the scores that this team has on the roster this year, that might might lean more towards the latter, but either way, the guy is just a tremendous basketball player, and he should be in the national spotlight. Uh, and it's 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 huge for the Devils that they were able to have Remy Martin come back. Now, one of the reasons that he did is because of the whole COVID situation and the uncertainty of the NBA offseason. He wasn't able to work out in person with NBA teams and truly find out where he would land in the NBA. I had a chance to catch up with Remy Martin um, last night, as a matter of fact, on the Sun Devil Radio Network in our, our Thursday show that we, that we uh, produced, and he joined us. And uh, he talked about just that, that the NBA teams liked his game. They really liked who he was as a player, but they wanted to see him in person and weren't able to do so. So he decided the best decision for him was to come back to Arizona State, and ASU is that much better for it. you know. So huge to have him back for his senior year, but not surprised to see him landing on these type of lists, the Naismith Trophy watch list and so forth. Uh, tremendous basketball player and huge for the Sun Devils that he's back. Last story here mentioned for you in the lead. It's been a couple of days, but it's the first opportunity that we've had to mention it, what the Suns did with the number 10 overall pick with a lot of talent on the board, Sean. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton sitting there at number 10. That would have been the guy that I would have went with. They don't go that direction. It is Jalen Smith out of Maryland who is taken by the Suns at the number 10 pick. Your overall thoughts, I'm in the camp of... Who knows? Right. This was a draft that had so much uncertainty, and I'm not going to judge a, a guy right. pick 10. Was it the guy I would have taken? No. 
You know, it's in this draft we knew coming in. Listen, there's no franchise changers in this draft, right? There's very few that you thought would be. And again, who knows? Like you mentioned, it, nobody it thought be. that. We just we, nobody, yeah, nobody thought. Right, Giannis went 15th, right? I believe overall. Like, I mean, you just Booker you just, went 13th. Yeah, I mean, you just don't know. But going into this draft, it doesn't feel like there's a franchise changer in there. So you grab pieces that might help you, you know, get to where you're you're trying to go, or put together the club that you envision as a winning basketball team and the Suns see a big with a ton of athleticism who can play with his back to the basket and also stretch the floor and shoot the ball a little bit. Now, is he raw on the defensive side from everything I read? That's the one knock on him. And that's why some mm. people had him actually mocked in the second round in some people's mock drafts. And you know, the grades for the Suns are all over the place, which I find draft grades immediately following the draft ridiculous to begin with. But it fits what James Jones and the Suns say is a need, a big, another, you know, somebody that can play the four, the five, and still shoot the ball in today's NBA and fit the modern game. So we'll see. We'll have to wait and see on, on, on Jalen Smith. But listen, I think we all ripped the Cam Johnson pick too, right? Ripped, I don't think's the, the right At 11, we all scratched our head. At, at yeah, best, we, just, we all we just, scratched uh, our head, right? And that turned yeah. out to be a nice piece for the Phoenix Suns. So jury's out. And, and in this draft, I think... Once you hit double digits in this draft, yes, like you were saying, there's talent still out there, but it wasn't anything that you felt was going to change your franchise. So it's hard to hate on a pick uh, that the Phoenix Suns made at 10 that they feel fits a need. And when you look at the tan, the you know the, the things you can't coach, the intangibles, yep. the athleticism, the guy's explosive. He's you know he's he can shoot the ball and stretch the floor. I'm intrigued by it. I to, if I was you know to be honest with you, I'm intrigued by the pick. I really am. Again, time will tell. These guys, all of these first-round picks and even the second-round picks who might potentially play this year, they have a five-week turnaround before camp starts and games start being played. So uh, it, it's going to be a very quick transition for a lot of these guys. We'll see uh, how much Jalen Smith plays here in year number one for the Phoenix Suns. That is all we have for you in the lead. No 60 seconds of baseball. I'm not going to bore you, Sean. I could have gone on a rant about the Dodgers <laughs> trying to acquire Nolan Arenado for 60 seconds. Uh, I'll save that for when right. it actually happens. I'll, I'll wait for that at a, at a later time. Coming out next on No Bowl with Chris Crespin and Simone, Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks cooked up a traditional dish oh. last night, and oh. it led to a victory. We'll get into it next year on No oh. Bowl with Chris love, Crespin and Simone. Love the dad jokes on a Friday, Schubert. Absolutely love them. Listen, Earnhardt Auto Centers, locally owned and operated since 1951, a proud partner of No Bowl with Chris Crespin and Simone. 19 Arizona locations. We've talked about them weekly here on this show. 21 dealerships, 17 brands. Doesn't matter if you're north, south, east, or west. Wherever you're at in the Valley, Earnhardt's got you covered with that new vehicle you've got your eye on. And obviously with these times of social distancing, Schubert's in D.C. now. He's trying to get as far away from me as he can. Uh, I'm still here, right. here in Gilbert. But head over to Noble.com right at the top of the page, right in the middle. You can't miss it. The Noble Express option makes the entire buying process an absolute breeze from the comfort of your home or wherever you might be at in these, these times of social distancing. They'll bring a car right to you, right to your front door for you to test drive for the day. You can finish the financial application right there online. They're going to deliver your new ride to you once you finalize that purchase as well. You don't even have to leave your front door to experience the Earnhardt commitment and to world-class service. And low prices, Schubert, that just absolutely can't be beat. It's the Earnhardt name you know you can trust. 68-year commitment from their family to yours. Earnhardt Auto Centers and NoBull.com. That ain't no bull. Yeah, I think it was like 16 penalties maybe for over 100 yards, which you're not going to win in this league uh, doing that. And especially against a quality team like Seattle. So that's, 
unacceptable to have that many, and we got to clean that up. Probably just the uh, little, you know, self-inflicted penalties. Uh, you know, just really shooting ourselves in the foot. I mean, we got to be better. The head coach and the quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals after after their loss last night on Thursday Night Football to the Seattle Seahawks. And it is the storyline, at least from the Cardinals side of things, that everybody is focusing on. It is the penalties, penalties, penalties that doomed the Arizona Cardinals in that game. I think the one that everybody's going to point to specifically would be the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty by Drake Kirkpatrick that directly led to a Carlos Hyde touchdown that is the difference maker score-wise in the football game. But overall, Sean, this is the latest example of an undisciplined football team. It's something that we've talked about I think last year it was a discussion. It's been a discussion this year. It's something I've brought up even in their wins that, hey, this is stuff you've got to clean up. And it was a disaster last night uh, in terms of discipline, penalties all over the place. You know, a holding in the end zone that leads to a safety, the Drake Kirkpatrick penalty that leads two plays later to a touchdown. Just just little things that this team can't seem to get right, and it directly uh, resulted in the loss last night. Yeah, you're right. We've talked about it all year long. All year long. The the the, the personal foul when the play is over, the drive is going to be done. It's going to be fourth and short, and you're you got some. Back. You're getting the ball back, man, and you and you got somebody that just can't get his mind right. Yeah, I, I, listen. I know there was an awkward tackle. DK Metcalf took exception. He got in your face. You guys had some words. Bro, walk away. Like, you absolutely can't have that happen. And I love to see that the teammates on the sideline went over to him, and you could see they did a shot on on uh, the, the telecast, Fox or NFL Network, whatever you were watching, and the teammates are pointing to their head like, dude, use your head. Like, that absolutely just killed us. So, it, But it wasn't just that one play. I mean, you talked about the holding no. in the end zone that you can't have. The offensive line was atrocious last night for the Arizona Cardinals, but to stay on track with the penalties, man, like you, 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 it was, it wasn't just the one personal foul that wound up leading to a drive that should have been over to, to the Seattle Seahawks finding the end zone. It was across the board, just brutal. You heard Cliff Kingsbury in the rejoin there talking about it. Like you can't have it. You know what I mean? And how do you clean that up as an organization? You hope that the veteran leadership in that locker room is able to figure something out, put an emphasis on it in practice, do something. But, dude, you are shooting yourself in the foot week in and week out with these penalties. And, and it, it goes to a take that I've had now the entire season is that penalties are a coaching thing, right? Penalties are a coaching thing. You 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 coach discipline. You coach you know, doing the little things right, not putting yourself in these situations to get these penalties. And listen, I'm not going to blame Cliff Kingsbury directly for what happened with Drake Kirkpatrick. That's just a guy in the heat of the moment taking a bad penalty, right? But overall, we've seen, I mean, the Cardinals have the most penalties in the league. They're at 7.9 penalties per game. It's it's worst in the league. Uh, I think they're fourth worst in, in penalty yardage per game, like third worst in first downs allowed via penalty. It's just it's undisciplined football, and it's directly having a result. Sean, we talked about a stat earlier in the season, and I'd have to go back and check on it, but of how many drives on offense the Cardinals have had stalled because of penalties. So it's not only extending drives on the defensive side of the ball for the opposing team, but it's stopping opportunities to score points on the offensive side of the ball. And the person that I'm going to put square in the center 
of my anger today with the way that this team played last night is head coach Cliff Kingsbury. I have mentioned it week in and week out that I think coaching is the team that is the, that, that is the thing that is holding this team back. Undisciplined football, bad decisions, the challenge late uh, in the fourth quarter was just a bad challenge. It's clear that Carlos Hyde recovered that fumble. It, it, not so much the waste of the timeout, but the decision-making to come to the determination that, yeah, we're going to challenge this play here is what I have a bigger problem with. Coaching, coaching, coaching has, has seemingly gotten in the way. I brought it up in the Bills game last week, right, uh, that they 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 put themselves in a position to, to almost lose the game because of Cliff Kingsbury's play calling in the fourth quarter. Example after example I can come up with of direct decisions made by Cliff Kingsbury. And, Sean, you've pushed back on me on this, fairness to you. You've pushed back and said, yeah, but these things are correctable. These things are, are fixable things that Cliff Kingsbury can work on. I agree, but when are we going to see the progress with these things? At some point, you, you got to show me something. You're in year two. Um, you're in year two. I mean, that's, that's, I usually rule of thumb when it comes to young players and coaches, especially a young coach like Cliff three years, I'll give you three years. You know, if, if it's not better in three years, then you're out. I mean, listen, there's, there's been a lot of good things that this Cardinals team has done since Cliff Kingsbury took over. Like, yes, the coaching decisions need to be improved. You're not wrong. Um, they're in a handful of areas, but I do still, like, like you just mentioned, my feeling is those are correctable. So listen, I'll, I'll give you through year three. That's what you got. But you, you know, we're focusing on the coaching decisions and we're focusing on, you know, situational decisions mostly. Yes. And the fact that they have these penalties and these issues and rightfully so, but it I, does it outweigh all of the good things we're seeing as well. This league, this team leads the league in yards per game. They're sixth in scoring in the National Football League as well. You know, they've done a lot of good things. Defensively, I'll argue that they've improved significantly, right? I mean, there's, they've, they've, I think they're top 10 in, yard, or in, in points given up per game. So they've, they've improved in a lot of areas. We can nitpick, in my opinion, and pick out things and, you know, say, ah, look at Cliff, can't get, the, can't get it done because of this, or he can't get it done because of that. In my opinion, those things are all still very correctable. And they don't outweigh all of the negative. Now, I want to I want to back up just a moment and give you a number sure. to to a stat you brought up. The amount of stalled drives the Arizona Cardinals have had. I don't have the league rankings for this, but I had, do have the numbers for the Arizona Cardinals pulled up in front of me. They have twenty four drives this year alone. We're in week. They've played what ten games? Ten games now. Yep. They have twenty four stalled drives due to penalty. Twenty four. In 10 games. That's two and a half a game or a drive done because of a penalty. And let me give you the one that drives me insane. It gives you the number here, the stat sheet that I'm looking at, in terms of how many stalled drives were stalled by which individual penalty. They have 10 stalled drive this drives this year from false start. What the hell? Are, I mean, yeah. all the crowd noise getting to you? Like, what? Where? Why are you having Twelfth issues? Man didn't get you last night. Yeah, what are you having issues with the, all the false starts? Ten of them, ten stalled drives, due to false starts this year for the Arizona Cardinals. This is an official stat that the National Football League uses. I'm on their media site right now. Ten stalled drives due to false start alone. That's just not being here. And for those of you listening, yeah. I'm pointing to my head. Like, that's just not being there. That's not being focused. Like, what is it the crowd noise getting you? Like, what is going on with the false starts? To me, that's inexcusable. 
Well, and I think I'll answer your question um, of, you know, are we nitpicking when we bring these things up? I don't think we are when I can directly have evidence to prove that these things are costing the Cardinals football games, right? These are things that are directly impacting their ability to win. And as we go on, if they don't fix those things, they're going to lose football games, right? And it was why I was so... I harped on it so much after the Bills game. Yeah, you got away with one. You won the football game. But think of the decision-making that put you in that spot. You're not going to get lucky every week. That could have very easily been a loss. And we're sitting here talking about a 5-5 five and five football team. And, Sean, guess what? Before that game Thursday night, you know what the conversation was this week? Is this Cardinal team the best team in the NFC West? Certainly not with a performance like that. Am I even going to consider them? with the way that they mismanaged that football game from a from a discipline standpoint. You know, right? and, and, yeah, there, I, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and the Seahawks tried to do it right back to you. Like, I mean, you had a scoring drive. If you're the Arizona Cardinals, yeah, you handed them one, right, with the personal foul that would have ended mm-hmm. you know, the drive would have been over, and they, they continue, and you get the, you find the end zone. The Arizona Cardinals scored in a drive when they handed you 38 yards of offense as well. You had the hit on DeAndre Hopkins, right? They fought, Then you also, I believe it was a horse collar on that drive as well. Something else was another personal foul. It was 30 yards of offense. Yeah, it was, because it was going to be an eight-yard loss, on a tackle in the backfield, but it was a horse collar, 15 yards. So you can essentially say they handed you 38 yards of offense on that drive and you ended up scoring as well. So Seattle was at times equally undisciplined in this football game. And chalk it up to Thursday night, chalk it up to whatever you want it to be. But they were equally undisciplined. Like you handed them a score. They also handed you a score as well last night. So, you know, and where... Where Seattle really improved last night, and we saw it, was their ability to have a balanced attack. I mentioned it in the tease. Let Russ cook. Yeah. Uh, He wasn't cooking up a gourmet meal. Here's here's Pete Carroll talking about how it finally looked like Seattle Seahawks football again. Felt like the Seahawks, you know. Felt like the Seahawks that we've all uh, seen over the years. Carlos did a great job tonight. He did exactly what we needed. He, we needed him to run hard and run tough, knock people backwards and, and, uh, and make extra yards with, with you know, his juice. And uh, the guys up front responded with him. You know, I don't know, we had 80 yards or something like that. Um, that was a really good contribution to this, this effort tonight. And it balanced us out, just like we talked about. Russ didn't have to throw for 400 yards to have a big night. He had a big night throwing for you know, just under 200. And uh, so, um, yeah, Carlos had a great factor uh, that he played tonight. Carlos, he means Carlos and, Hyde, who ran for 79 yards and a score. And, and Sean, you mentioned it in our, in, our, in our prep meeting, is that this was more, to continue to use the food analogy because we're letting Russ cook, this was more steak and potatoes. This is more bread and butter. This is more what Seattle has been over the tenure of Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll in Seattle. They got back to it. I, I'm looking at the numbers that you posted this morning in our prep sheet. They had 28 passing attempts to 21 called runs and then 10 additional runs by Russ via broken plays and things like right. that. And some of, those may have been, some of those may have been called as well. I just don't know off the top of my head looking at the numbers. So, But it is very a very balanced attack yes. for a team that going into this game, we had a big, big conversation of can they continue to keep pace in the NFC with this complete change in philosophy of let Russ cook. And you've heard it on the broadcast like 8,000 times, the hashtag let Russ cook. I'm, I'm over it already. It's a nice but t-shirt. But they got back to basics. Yeah, it's, got a nice, back to basics. it's a nice t-shirt, but it doesn't mean it's going to work week out, week in and week out in the National Football League. Teams catch up, man. Defenses catch up in the NFL, and you're going to have to continue to stay on your, on your toes and give people different looks. Well, the, the, Seattle wasn't doing that, you know? And to be perfectly honest, with Carson out, they've been terrible in pass protection as well. Like going into this football game, 
And I thought I was going to continue throughout last night's game because the Cardinals got First a sack the on the game. opening play. But you go back to the previous two games, and, and Russ Wilson had been hit over 20 times and sacked 11. You know, their pass protection had been brutal as well, and yet they were still trying to force feed the offense through Russell Wilson throwing the football. So for Seattle, they had to get back to being more balanced. And last night, banged up offense or banged up defensive line for the Arizona Cardinals. I don't think there was a better time to maybe get right running the football than what uh, than what was in front of you, a team that was completely beat up on the defensive front. It was a short week for them. If you were going to get right running the football, for, if you were Seattle last night in the Arizona Cardinals, unfortunately for us here in Arizona, that was the game to do it, and they did. They ran the ball really well last night. Yeah, and, and it allowed them to be balanced, and it, it opened up opportunities for Russell Wilson. I mean, you saw it on the first drive, the third of DK Metcalf, uh, kind of a broken play, but it, because they were able to run the ball so efficiently, it allowed them to have that balanced attack. Uh, I don't know if they can continue it, right? I mean, it, could it be a product of a short week? We'll see. Um, you know, if they get Chris Carson back at some point, and it certainly feels like he's rounding the corner and being able to return at some point, that's going to benefit them. But for them, it was it, it was a. I thought watching the game, and Sean, correct me if, if you disagree with this, but watching the game, it felt like there was a major emphasis put on we are going to run the football tonight. We are going to yeah. do this, and we're going to figure out how this is going to work. But, you know, in the NFL, you can say that all you want. To. I think every coach, even in today's NFL, goes into a game going, man, if we can just run the football and play solid defense, we're going to feel pretty good about this. And it's one thing to say you're going to run the ball. It's another thing to go out there and do it and stay ahead of the sticks and not end up in, in third and sevens and eights because you just got stuffed for a one-yard gain followed by a two-yard gain trying to run the football on first and second down. Like, it's easy to say we're going to come out and put an emphasis on running the football, but if you're not picking up enough yards on first and second down doing so, now you're one-dimensional on third down because you're stuck in third and seven, third and eight, third and nine. So it's easy to say that. It's easy to say we're going to run the football. It's another thing to go out there and actually do it. And to Seattle's credit last night, they went out there with a backup running back. Carlos Hyde, you know, is, was was getting the meat of it. He had 14 carries last night. Uh, and they ran the ball really well. They ran the ball really well. And if you're the Arizona Cardinals, they ran it on you really well in the first round, first time, you know, a couple weeks ago on Sunday Night Football. And they ran it really well on you again last night. And you can point to the fact that you had a lot of guys out along, on that defensive front, and you did. Uh, but you're, you're going to struggle with the Seahawks if they find that balance and they don't have the turnovers that they handed you late in that football game last time because they're able to run the football. And I think that's what we saw last night. Well, we know that the rest of the NFC West uh, race is going to be hotly contested. I don't think we're done hearing from either of these two teams. Uh, Cardinals still have two games against the Rams to try to make up and keep pace. This is going to be a fun, uh, wild finish to see who's going to earn that spot uh, to win the division and get that home game uh, when it comes to playoff time. You mentioned the Cardinal defense, Sean, coming up next on Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone. It was a tale of two defenders, one going in the right direction and the other Oof, going in the wrong direction. That's next here on Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone. But first, I got to tell you about our friends over at Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineer tools for your family jewels. Fantastic line. I love reading it every time I get to do this read. We all have that story, gentlemen, of when we're you know grooming below the waist and you have that little cut doesn't go very well and it makes for an unpleasant experience sometimes okay? you don't even notice it sometimes you don't even notice it but all of a sudden you're like yep. damn yeah and then you're going to be now it's an issue for the next three days like come on well and, and that is why manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer with the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 the third generation trimmer a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce those grooming accidents 
This is a premium. And when I mean premium, I mean premium. Battery, going to last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. It is waterproof. You can use it in the shower. Sean's favorite feature, the LED light on it. I don't have mine in front of me or I would hold it up to the camera and blind everybody on the show uh, for that precise trim. The charging stand, USB powered as well. Uh, if you're listening right now, we have a great deal for you to be able to pick up the lawnmower 3.0. Go to manscaped.com, use the promo code NOBULL in all caps at checkout. You're going to get 20% off and free shipping. While you're there, check out their other products. You got the ball toner, the ball deodorant, you got the weed whacker, the nose trimmer, you got t shirts, underwear, all sorts of different stuff. So head over to manscaped.com, use the promo code NOBULL, and you will get 20% off. Your balls will thank you. Some new, some new music here on the program. Wow, you working hard? Working about as hard as Isaiah night. Simmons last night. That's what I tell. Okay, I'm thank you. That's a great mm-hmm. segue. There you go. <laughs> if only Isaiah Simmons could just play the Seahawks every week, he'd be a Pro Bowler this year, right? As a rookie. So it's a tale of two defenders in last night's football game because you saw, as we just mentioned, Isaiah Simmons out there making some big plays for this football team, and we want to highlight him. But the other side of the coin, uh, a guy who kind of struggled a little bit last night, and it's kind of been the roller coaster ride of a season for this guy, Patrick Peterson of the Arizona Cardinals. And, Sean, let's start negative. I normally like to get the <laughs> negative out of the way. Right. Start with a negative. Start, uh-huh. with, start with Patrick Peterson. And I think we are seeing the age of a player catch up to him where he just can't be consistent anymore. He can't be that consistent shutdown corner on a week in and week out basis. He can show you the glimpses. He can show you why he is a name brand and why people love him. And then there are games where you go, that's an aging corner who just doesn't have that burst anymore. And I think last night was an example of that. He's 30. We're all acting like the man's 40 years old. He's 30. He's he looks of, like 40 when he's he, out there playing. He's got a lot of football under his belt, but he's 30. Like, there's, 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 there's some legs left there from Patrick Peterson. He's just not playing very well, plain and simple. And this goes back to before, or excuse me, when he came back after the suspension. Remember, we were questioning his effort level last year at times when he came back off of the suspension. I'm not sitting here doing that now, but it just, I mean, he's just getting outplayed by people that are across from him. Now, For the majority of his career, he was a guy that followed the number one around the field, across the field, didn't matter where they lined up, left, right, slot, didn't matter. Patrick Peterson was on him. In the last handful of years, he's been more of a guy that's falling into suit with the defensive scheme than doing his own thing on an island. Now, does that have anything to do with this? I have no idea. To be perfectly honest, I don't think I want Patrick Peterson on an island anymore to begin with anyway. But he's definitely not not somebody who, by the way, is an unrestricted free agent next year. He's not somebody that I'm bringing back for the number he's currently getting paid, which is $12 million a year. I'm just, I'm, I just don't see it. I just don't see that number one corner in Patrick Peterson right now. Sorry, I don't. And if he's going to go into this offseason expecting to get paid like it, I think he's going to have one of those humbling moments that we've seen so many veteran players have. Right? Like, if, I feel like there's been a handful of great players in recent years who have hit the free agent market thinking that their market was going to be significantly more than it was, right? I, I, like Adrian Peterson is the one that really stands out to me. Like when he went to Seattle thinking he was getting a contract and they signed Cheeseburger Eddie before they signed him and he didn't have a deal anywhere, like that was – That's humbling, right? Like oh, that's humbling though. A lot of guys wind up finding that when they hit the free agent market and it's just not what you think it's going to be. 
I, you know, we'll find out what the what the NFL thinks about Patrick Peterson after this year because the Cardinals are not going to re-sign him. You know, uh, they're going to let him hit the free agent market. You can guarantee it, and they're going to see what that market has to bear. And, I, and we're going to find out what the NFL thinks of Patrick Peterson. But I'll tell you this: I really believe right now, here as we sit, November twentieth. You're watching the final six regular season games of him in a Cardinals uniform. Maybe he gets a playoff game or two. The Arizona Cardinals still sitting in a good spot to be playing postseason football. So maybe you're you're looking at the last seven, eight games of him as an Arizona Cardinal. I just don't see them bringing him back. And I agree with you in the sense that he's getting paid 12 right now. You'd assume that he's going to be looking for a deal that pays him just as much, if not more. North right? 12 of that. is the is yes. the, right. So twelve is the minimum here. And Sean, you know how I feel about teams spending their cap money poorly and not managing the cap well. And it certainly feels to me to give that kind of cap percentage, to give that kind of cap number to a guy that is no longer, and I don't think this is a dispute anymore. Patrick Peterson is no longer an every week shut down number one to take away that other team's option corner every week. He's not that player anymore. So if he's not that player anymore, in no way can I justify paying him that kind of money, right? I, I can't justify paying him Stefan Gilmore money. I, I can't do that, right? But that's the bar that he's going to try to clear. So if I'm the Arizona Cardinals, it's Patrick, we'd love to have you back, buddy. We, we would love to have you a part of this defense. But not at that price. If you can come down a little bit on your asking price, maybe, maybe. Yeah, but I mean, this he, does. This is not a fit right now for this football. Team. No, you know, even the like you look at some of the other deals right now around the league, and you know, Darius Slay now with the Eagles, three years, fifty. Uh, That's a big I, number. Yeah, I'm not paying that. I'm not even going there. But if you start to look at where, okay, where might he fall in terms of what he's going to be asking for? I think. That's around the ballpark, right? Byron Jones in Miami, five years, eighty-two. No, no, no. But, but Byron's no. a better player than much better than player. Pat right now, much better player. So, and that's what I'm getting at. But does the player realize? Like, first of all, he should ask for every every dollar he wants, right? You're Absolutely. worth you're worth what somebody pays you, and he should and he should go for go for broke. Uh, I just don't ask think. Brock that. Yeah, the Arizona Cardinals just shouldn't be the team that that obliges. Go ahead and hit the market, dude. Let's see what the market looks like. Uh, and, 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 and we can talk, but right now I just don't, I see this pointing towards a, a divorce, a separation, if you will, between Patrick Peterson and the Arizona Cardinals. And it's something that's been coming for a while now, right? Like you have, you mm -hmm. go back to the Steve Wilkes days when he was asking for a trade and at the, uh, the open, you know, he apologizes to the fans and so forth. And then he I gets hit with here, the suspension. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's just, it feels like it's been trending this way for quite some time. And let me tell you this. There's been a lot of defensive backs who have hit this area of their career and they've transitioned from a corner to safety and have pro prolonged their NFL career. The one that comes to mind for me most because being a Raider guy is Charles Woodson, right? Charles Woodson is one of them that was able to go from corner to safety and prolonged his career for quite some time. And as a matter of fact, one defensive player of the year after doing so with the Green Bay Packers and then even played really good football for the Raiders when he made his return. It can be done. The problem is Charles Woodson is a premier tackler as well. So you have to be willing to get in there and get dirty as a safety in the National Football League. And I don't know if Patrick Peterson's got that in him. Like, you know, For instance, watching Buda Baker hawk, yeah. that, hawk that running back out, you know, just bam. 
Pat, does not, Pat have that in no, him? I don't no, think no, so. No, 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 no. Not, not at so 30. That transition, I think, is, is something that I, I don't even see that in the cards for him. So, like, if that was something you thought could be possible, I think you would talk to him and start to work that in. Maybe start thinking about that kind of transition because other great defensive backs in this league have made that transition to safety and have done it very well and have prolonged their career doing so because instead of having to, the the uh, the quick twitch following a wide receiver all over the field you're playing more zone type coverage have the field here maybe you're playing you know safety uh, you know cover one over the top so you're covering from center field to sideline to sideline so it changes it allows you to prolong your career a little bit I just don't know if he's that type of guy either. So I just I see this every every way I try to find something that maybe this can be a long term. He stays a Cardinal for the rest of his career. I just don't see it, man. I really don't. And last thing, because I, I do want to talk about Isaiah Simmons and give Got him some to, yeah, we have he to. played yeah. last night. I think Pat and the Cardinals moving on from each other at the end of this season can actually be looked at as a positive because I think over the last couple of years. The Cardinals have, in some ways, not entirely, but in some ways, neglected really addressing their defensive back situation because the answer was, oh, oh we got Pat. No, we got Pat back yeah. there. He'll just take away the number one and we'll just piecemeal it together. Right. So you kind of fall into this sense of it becomes this security blanket, right? It becomes this complacency of, no, we got Pat back there. It's not a problem. I think Pat moving on and the Cardinals looking at that room and going, Oh, okay. All right, Byron Murphy. Uh, you're going to have to step up, and we're going to have to get you some help. I think that would really force Steve Kime and company to finally address something that this fan base has been screaming at them. Please get another corner. Please get another corner. Please get another corner. I think it would force them to finally address the issue. Okay. Let's heap some praise on Isaiah Simmons, who we were critical of, me in particular, couple of weeks ago well, probably about five or six weeks ago no right? no I'll, I'll stick up for you you weren't being critical of him we were asking the questions that i think everybody was asking why aren't the snaps there you know why like, are hello, you only can, playing can get the number eight pick on the field yeah please? why are you only playing nine snaps total against uh, on the defensive side of the ball in a loss to carolina when their 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 first round pick who they picked what one one before you uh was yep. making plays and getting sacks before he got hurt but you know, so we were asking those questions, and I thought you made a great point at the time. You said, "Man, you got a defensive coordinator right now that is on the hot seat, trying to do everything he can to prove himself. If he thought that there was anybody on this roster that could really help him out and get his ass off that hot seat, they'd be on the field." Yeah, and at the time, Isaiah Simmons asked, "Wasn't on the field," so that spoke volumes at that time. Since then, really, since that Seattle game. Which, by the way, he had five defensive snaps in the Seattle game. One of them just happened to be a game-clinching interception. But yeah, since the biggest then, play of the game, arguably. Yeah, but since then, he's played 32 snaps against Miami. He played 32 snaps against the Buffalo Bills. Played 45 snaps last night. Oh, and by the way, he led the team of tackles last night. And the kid was really popping off the screen for the first time in his career when it wasn't him popping off the screen because Mostert just took him for 70 or a horse collar. He was popping off the screen because he was making quality play after quality play last night. That, if you're an Arizona Cardinal fan, in a loss, whew, you take that silver lining. And we heard the noise around this, right? Vance Joseph, when he would meet with the media and he'd be asked about this, he kept saying he's a different player coming out of the bye. Uh, oh, it's his time, right? All of these positive quotes of 
Isaiah's turning the corner. You're about to see why we drafted this kid number eight overall. It felt like there was momentum trending in that direction. And to your point, Sean, the snaps are increasing over the last couple of weeks. You're seeing him make those plays that you saw him make in Clemson, right? Being able to blow up plays, make what he said he led the team in tackles last night. You're starting to see what they saw, what everybody saw in him when they drafted him in the first round uh, last season. This is a positive. They need him to be a, a, a piece of this because, Sean, I don't know if you've looked at the depth chart recently. Um, I don't know who's getting after the quarterback. I don't know who's going to do it the rest of the season because they're without Corey Peters. Jordan Phillips is still banged up. They don't have Chandler Jones. They need to create havoc and pressure. And this was the conversation we had after the Chandler Jones injury of, hello, Isaiah Simmons, where are you? Even more so now. Find a role for him. Put him in positions to succeed. It feels like they're doing that. You saw it last night. Again, it's in a loss, but I think that's a positive to take away. From you know what? You know what I'm seeing. And, and Vance Joseph keeps. You know, you talked about his press conferences and some of the praise he's been giving him uh, about how he's he's understanding. You know, the defense more. He's figuring it out. And usually, what you see when that is true and evident on a field is an athletic player using his athleticism because he's not sitting there thinking all the time. And he's last doing. night, yeah, last night was the first time we saw Isaiah Simmons, I feel, really flash that athleticism, right? I mean, the interception on on uh, on Russ Wilson in the previous game, um, you saw a little bit. The way how quickly he was able to get out of, of showing an A-gap blitz and getting back into the passing lane, was you saw the athleticism there. But I thought this was overall the first time you saw everything we talked about at the Combine for Isaiah Simmons from start to finish. Now, he played 45 snaps. It's still only 68% of the defensive snaps last night. So there's still a lot of, you know, he'll, he'll, he's got a ways to go working himself into to being a, a every-down player for this football team. But you're really starting to see it. Like I said, he led the team in sacks or tackles last night. He had a sack. Um, you're, these, these are all good things. These are all good things. But the fact that he's playing quicker, and I think that really shows on film, it just it, it shows his 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 comfort level within this defense because he's not thinking anymore. He's just flying to the football and understands where he needs to be. He, he understands where he needs to be, and he's relying on that athletic instinct that we yes. saw at Clemson, right? Yeah. He's 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 finding his spot, and he's not thinking too much. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I was impressed with the way that he played last night. And again, Sean, it's not like there are not going to be opportunities the rest of the way for those snaps to increase, right? There's not No one's blocking his path. Right with all the injuries that this team has, they're gonna Vance Joseph's gonna find ways to continue to get him more involved. So the 68%, I think that number is only gonna grow. Uh, and by the time the season's over, I think we'll start we'll start to see a guy that's playing almost every down for this football team. Sean, you feeling a little, uh, you know, a little. I don't want to say gambly, but you feeling a little, you know, in a mood for some stocks, buy or <laughs> yeah, sell. Let's do it. Feeling, let's do it. Feeling interested in it? All right, so buy or sell coming up next here on Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone. But again, we can't thank Earnhardt Auto Centers enough. 19 Arizona locations, the 21 dealerships, the seven. Brands. We talked about it earlier in the show. Noble.com. Noble Express tab. Click it. Test drive a vehicle. Maybe you're just bored on a weekend and you want to check, you want to check out a ride. Noble Express option on Noble.com. You can test drive the vehicle, do the application process, the whole thing. We told you earlier in the show. We tell you every show because it's an incredible option you have at Noble.com. The Noble Express option. 68-year commitment from their family to yours. You know you can trust it. I've lived here my entire life, Schubert. In Arizona and Noble Earnhardt Auto Centers has it's just it's always been a thing. It's a locally owned uh, uh, you know business that you know you can trust if you've lived in Arizona for any amount of time. Noble.com. That ain't no bull. Sean, I need a favor. What do you got? So you know my setup here on the road, 
Yeah. For those of you who maybe don't know, I'm not in my normal setup in uh, in Chandler. Right, what do you need? I'm in uh, I'm in Maryland. Yeah. So I have you up on the screen in front of me. Uh huh. And if I click away from the tab, the whole show's gonna right, fall so down. What are you trying on to get the right at? hand of me? I have the soundboard. I need you to read the questions. I don't have the questions in front. You need of me, me to I know read what the they are. I just don't have them in front of me. So can Schubert, you? I can, can do you that take for over you. The yeah. hosting duties, and I've got mm -hmm. the soundboard ready to go here. For I can do that. So too. I'll, I'll go first this time. Yeah, I'll toss them to you. All right, I'll toss them to you. Yeah. So after we watch, yeah. well, we, let's go ahead and dive into question number one. After what okay. we watched last night, Cardinals and Seahawks, yeah. buy or sell. The okay. L.A. Rams are the best team in the NFC West. Buy or sell? Oh. That's easy. Buy it. The Los Angeles Rams are the most complete team in this division on both sides of the ball. Sean McVay, after the struggles, I think, of last year, has really kind of reinvented this offense. We're seeing a better version of Jared Goff. But I don't think enough credit goes to the way that they play defensively. They probably have a defensive player in the year candidate in Jalen Ramsey. They have the ability to get after the quarterback with Aaron Donald. They're complete on both sides of the ball. The other two teams that are competing in this spot for them, flaws. The Cardinals, you saw the flaws last night. They commit a lot of penalties, and they're undisciplined as a football team. Seattle, I'm not going to take one game that they figured out how to run the ball and play defense, okay? It was a short week. It was a Thursday night game. Show me more. Uh, before I'm willing to say that the Rams aren't the best team in the division, Sean, I am buying. Well, and like, and, and listen, I'll buy as well. Go ahead and hit that button one more time because you're not wrong. Like, you ran the football finally, right? But you ran the football against a team that has no defensive front right now whatsoever to speak of because they're completely beat up None. and they're on a short week as well. So show me more. Plus your defense, which played a little bit better last night if you're Seattle than what you've seen the rest of the way. Um, you, you're showing some signs there, but. Yeah, I mean, you got an L.A. team in the Rams that's seventh in yards per game. They're scoring 24 points a game as well. And if you flip the tab here on the, the uh, NFL media site statistics page over to the defensive side, and you go ahead and look at what they're doing defensively as well, the Los Angeles Rams are second in the league in yards given up uh, per game. And they're also only giving up 18 points per game, which is uh, right there tied with the Baltimore Ravens for the least amount per game in the league. So the That's Los good. Angeles Rams getting it done on both sides of the football right now. You know, last night you went into a log jam, 6-3, six 6-3, and 6-3. and, three, six and three. Seattle takes the half-game lead after the win last night. You got a big game for the Rams coming up against the uh, the Bucks on Monday Night Football. But they're by far, right now, they're the best, best, team, best team in the division, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think it's even close. Well, Winnie right? doesn't agree, my dog. I don't know if I don't she even does hear not agree. No, she does not agree. They, with they that are at not all. happy. Yeah. They, they do not agree <laughs> with our take here on the program. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Sean. Rams, the best team in the division. All right, what do you got? Number two. Question number two here on buyer selling a Friday in the NFC. You and I talked about this okay. in the pre-show meeting, so I wanted this to put this gonna, in buyer sell. Yeah. This so is in the fun. NFC, you're better off being a five seed than winning your division and being two, three, or four. Now, obviously, being number one is great because you get the bye week right, but only one of those teams is getting it this year, so things yeah, are a little different. So, 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 you know, so, I'm not even letting you finish. Go ahead. No, Tell I, me why, because I'll I want give you my no, reason. I want, I want no business. If I'm the, let's, let's use the team that I used in the pre-show example. Mm -hmm. If I'm the New Orleans Saints, I would rather have the Rams come play me in New Orleans than go to cold, frigid, Philly and lose a game on the road. Not a chance. Give me the home playoff game. I I, I know there's not going to be crowd, but uh, the Saints are the perfect example. I want no business of going anywhere cold, anywhere frigid. No, give me the home. See, I hit the, the other home. hit the other I'm buying this. I'm buying this and here's why. 
If you look at the NFC right now, the Green Bay Packers are your one seed. They're sitting at home the week one. They're sitting at home week one. They're playing whoever ends up in Lambeau the following week. But the opening week, the wild card round in the NFC right now, if you're the Saints and you won your division, you get to play the Arizona Cardinals. If you're Seattle and you won your division, you get to play the Los Angeles Rams. If you're Philadelphia and you won your division, you got to play the first the first wild card team, which is the Tampa Bay Bucks. So let's take a look at the Saints and the Bucks. The Bucks, let's say the Saints win the division, they win the South, so they get the two seed. Yeah. Like I mentioned, they the home, they're the playing the Cardinals at home. If you're the Bucks and you're the wild card, you get to go to Philadelphia. You get to Great, go play the it's Eagles. Frigid, and I'm going to lose by a touchdown Dude, late because my guys aren't used to the cold. You, no, you, thank you. You, you guys know that I, I cashing in with Crespin. I suck at handicapping, right? Forget about it. Schubert likes to partake a little bit. What? Give me yeah. the projected lines right now. If you had the Saints and the Cardinals week one in the wild card round, or if you're the Bucks going to Philadelphia, one of those teams is going to be a favorite, and one of them isn't. So, do I have Drew Brees? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Because I think, you know, I think you the get... Saints are favored at home. The Saints are favored at home regardless. Okay. And I think the Bucks are like two-point favorites on the road. On the road. That's what I'm getting but at. Still, but, Sean, that does, I don't care about gambling. I'm here. we got wins and losses, man. I don't want to go on the road to frigid, cold Philly. I would almost... I, I, I'd oh, almost God, rather. No, thank you. Give me the I'd almost. Game. I'd almost rather right now be if with the way it sits, the way it sits currently in the NFC, the Saints are going on. Our Saints are play, staying at home, but they got the Cardinals coming. They got Kyler and the Cardinals indoor on a fast track. You got Kyler and the Cardinals coming in there. D hop, or you get to be the Bucks and go kick the hell out of an Eagles team on the road you, and almost see, and almost just, have a no, no, first no, round bye. You're just assuming that's what's going to happen. You're just assuming that they go on the road I'm and they taking, just beat hey, the brakes. I'm, if I'm Tom Brady, if I'm Tom Brady, I'm, I'd rather go beat up on the Eagles than uh, be at home and play in the Arizona Cardinals. I'm sorry. I, 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 that's what I want round. That's what I want in the first round. Uh, right, so we, we disagree on this one. Maybe we can take it to Twitter to see what the fans out there think. Uh, question three. Winnie clearly agrees with you downstairs. Still barking. If Jameis Winston if Jameis Winston can't beat out Taysom Hill, yeah. Which is that right now, that's the word that Which Hill is, the is getting the that, start. That there are no, Adam Schefter's tweet was there are no offensive packages for Jameis Winston this weekend. Just to put that, that was the tweet that was put out there. Buy or sell, if that's the case, Winston's done. Buy or sell. Sell, sell, sell. And the reason why I'm selling this, Sean, some team will pick him up. And some team will make him a backup. But and because a, of an injury, okay. he'll get into a game and he'll play. There will be, Sean, you know this better than anybody. There will be a coaching staff out there that will go, oh, we can fix the turnover problems. We can fix Jameis. Because everybody wants to be the coaching staff that fixes players in the that National guy, Football League. That That's football, what you want to be known as. Yeah, that guy can okay? play football. Man. That's what you yeah. want to be known as. There will be a team that will do it with Jameis Winston because they'll think uh, that they are the quarterback whisperer, that they can coach the turnovers out of Jameis. So I'm selling this. He will get another chance. You mean like Nathan Peterman being the current backup in Las Vegas? Uh, so, yeah, listen, when I should have rephrased this. He's done as a starter in the National Football League. And that and listen, I'll buy it either way. And here's why. Last year, Drew had the thumb, right? Drew had the thumb. Went out for what, four or five thumb. games? 
Uh, who, who started those football games? Was it Teddy or was it a Hill? Teddy Bridgewater. Was, was, it te- was it Teddy or was it Hill? Was it Teddy? It was Teddy, yeah, right? Teddy, and then guess Teddy who? Bridgewater, and then guess yes. who got a starting job in the off season? Was it Teddy or was it Teddy Hill? Bridgewater. Was it, it was Teddy. Teddy. Bridgewater. That's right. He's in Carolina yeah, now, right? Yeah. So there's a significant difference here He's that you can apply. He had the thumb last year, right? And Teddy got the starts. Teddy's now starting elsewhere. This year, he's got the ribs. Good God. Collapsed lung and ribs. Unbelievable. He was still standing on that sideline the rest of the football game. And they're going with Hill. They're like, eh, we're going to go with this guy instead of Jameis. You know, but they love – Sean Payton gushes over Taysom Hill. Big difference. Gushes Big over difference. Well, he was gushing over him last year, and he let Teddy play. So what does that tell you? Uh, okay, next next question. Yeah. We, uh, we got to get more into this because we, didn't, we weren't on the air since the draft until now. So we all questioned the Cam Johnson pick at 11, right? Well, uh, at, yeah. at maybe scratched our head for the Phoenix Suns last I just, year. I was a little perplexed, yeah. So we owed James Jones and the Suns the benefit of the doubt on the Smith pick at 10. Buy yourself. <sighs> I don't like the way you phrase this question. Because I worded it, it correctly there. To a certain <laughs> I'll buy it because of the way you worded it. I, I, I think it's unfair to judge any draft pick over last year or this year. So, yes... I think because you phrase it as James Jones deserves the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, because I haven't watched Jalen Smith play basketball yet. I haven't watched, you know, Cam Johnson play more than one season in, in the NBA. I think the jury's still out on whether Cam Johnson is a productive NBA player on a regular basis for this Suns team. But sure, because of the way you phrased yeah. it, James Jones, you get the benefit of the doubt. Because I think it's I think it's incredibly unfair to be like, what a terrible pick by James Jones. He should have. Well, no, I there don't are people know. out there doing that after the draft. You get great. Yeah, well, those people are foolish. The ridiculous instant grades, and they you know they're giving them D's and D minus. I would have preferred Tyrese Halliburton, but well, who am I? Right. Yeah, you're sitting there and, and sipping on a Dr Pepper in your in your sister's apartment in D.C. So. Yeah, right. not making NBA draft picks right now. Listen, I think I think I buy it just to get my official answer. Okay. Click the button. I buy it for sure. Uh, because when you watch the kid, the athleticism's definitely there. He's got the size; he can shoot. And in today's NBA, give me a give me a stretch big that can shoot the ball, right? So I'm I'm intrigued. Like I said earlier in the show, I'm intrigued by what this pick can turn into, and any big you can put on the floor to push DeAndre Ayton, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Yeah, and a, a starting five next year. Uh, could be, or next year, in five weeks, right. um, could be uh, CP3, mm-hmm. Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges, potentially Jalen Smith, and then DeAndre Ayton at the five. That's what it could look like. You now, if size. they bring back Dario Saric, and if they, you know, that Jalen Smith could come off the bench, but Either that's way, what you're looking at. You got size, you got shooting. Weeks, yeah, it, it, yep. it's a roster that's starting to look like modern NBA roster. Does that make you got sense? you got your scorer in Devin Booker. You have your distributor in CP3. You have yes. your three and D guy in Mikel Bridges. Mm-hmm. You hopefully have the modern NBA big man in DeAndre Ayton. I'm not. I, I don't think I'll ever be there with DeAndre until he actually does it. And then you you have a, a stretch four in in Jalen Smith at some point if he yeah. can develop the way you All expect right, him to. If he get, can get better defensively, get us out of here on a Friday. Okay, well, it is another week in the books here on Noble with Chris Cressman and Simone. You can always follow the show on Twitter at Noble underscore podcast. Please rate and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Pocket Cast, whatever app you use, just search up Noble with Chris Cressman and Simone. Please uh, give us a rating and a, and a subscribe so you know when these episodes drop. You can follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio. You can follow Sean on Twitter at screspin02. You can follow Jordan Simone, who's on assignment. We'll be rejoining the program on Monday at Jordan Simone38. But that 
is not all. You do not have to wait until Monday to hear from the two people in the boxes on your on your show right now. This Sunday, Noble Live, new start time. We have a new start yeah. time that I don't think we actually agreed on the start time as I'm doing the tease well, here. Let's do it right so, now. Sean, what time? Are, well, just I want to make sure we do this. On yeah, Sunday? I want to make sure that the one person that watches every week knows what time. So it would be, uh, I believe, eight thirty my time. 1030 so 10 for me. Yeah. 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 So 830 Arizona time, 10:30 if you're on the East Coast. Figure it out if you're somewhere else. How about that? Yep, that's Noble Live. <laughs> it is our full Sunday football preview show. We go over the college football week uh in, in slate of games on Saturday. We get you ready for the NFL football Sunday. A little bit more of an in-depth preview since we don't have a Cardinals game to really break down on Sunday. Yeah. So maybe we can get into some more uh, specific games. We have the Fab Five, which we give out our best games of the week. And then the most popular segment in uh Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone History on the Noble Live. Cashing in with Crespin, the worst gambling advice that you could ever get, because Sean Crespin is out of points. It's getting low. I got a curveball. One and two last week. Oh, I got a curveball coming up for cashing with Crespin this week. You're gonna want to tune in for it because I got I got a curveball coming out this week. Okay, I don't want to go. I don't want to run on too long before we get out of here. But Mm -hmm. that means you've already started doing research for the weekend, which Mm -hmm. is impressive because normally I get a text message from you Saturday night like, "Hey, I got to put together cashing." That's actually not what it means at all. What it means is I usually do three games, but I'm low on cash. We're taking those chips this week, pushing them all in on one game. One game and one game only this week for cashing in with Crespin. We're all putting it all in, and you're going to be shocked as to who I'm putting it on. Okay, that's what you have to look forward to on (laughs) Sunday at Noble Live. Join us then. If not, have a good weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday.